Lord, I thank you for these men. I thank you for the wisdom they've shown to take time to get away and to seek to grow as husbands, as fathers in some situations. I pray you'll bless them for it. I pray they'll realize that marriage is a wonderful thing to invest finances and time in. Lord, I pray you'll bless them even in this coming year for having made this sacrifice, this getaway time. Lord, I ask for your help this morning. We prayed already, and my wife's prayed, and our pastor's prayed. We pray again, we ask for your help. Uh, we know every good and perfect gift comes from above. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to learn things. I pray you'll help me, uh, even though I wrote this and learned this, I pray you help me to not just be sayers of these words, but to be doers of these principles. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I believe that God has a master's plan for us. By the way, I believe that's true in every part of our life, uh, that he, there's certain things he wants us to do in our life. I'm going to try to share some things with you this morning. Uh, by the way, your wife doesn't need to know what's going on in here, right? I mean, this is just between the men here. And I'm going to say this, man's first obligation, and there in your notes, the first obligation of man is to love his wife and administer to her. That was Adam and Eve in the garden. And he was to take care of her. He was to, he was to care for her. He was to provide for her. And that is a responsibility we have as well. Uh, you have done that by taking your way to something like this. And hopefully, yeah, weren't those great beds last night? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great shower. I want to get a, I want to get a shower head like that in my house. But Keely and I were talking about he changed his shower head. So I just, man, I enjoyed that. Of course, uh, I had, I, I'm trying to do this intermittent fasting, uh, and so I wasn't going to eat breakfast, and my wife left, took the card out of the door, and of course it went pitch black in the shower, you know. And so I'm walking out there, trying to look, well, which one is the shampoo, which is conditioner, and the light of the window, it was unbelievable. So don't tell her that I told you about that. So she came back in and realized everything was pitch black. But uh, I'm, So we have to realize that. Now, there's a basic problem in marriage. We can't find solutions in life until we know what the problem is. I, there's a lot of little things in life. Our decisions are only as good as the information we base them upon. So what is the problem with men? Well, it's very simple. We find this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5. through Then the last days perilous times shall come. Listen now. For men should be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You've got to be very careful of these things. By the way, this is a picture of our society today. right? Now, a lot of us, we don't deal with some of those things, but if we have any of those things in our life, that's a sign of the last times. We don't want that. What does it say then in the last verse, verse 5? Having a form of godliness, a form, right? Maybe a little bit of it, but denying the power thereof. Then it says this, from such turn away. So as I look through that list this morning, what jumps out at me is lovers of our own selves. What great length will go to satisfy ourselves? Our favorite meal, where we like to go, uh, what we feel like, maybe even the temperature of the house, right? Uh, how do we handle these type of things? boasters and proud. I've had a problem with that sometimes. God hates pride. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination. A proud look, lying tongue, hands of shedness and blood. He mentions a proud look before he even mentions murderers. God hates pride. First sin in the Bible. That was Satan. Pride. I, I, I. We have to guard against that. Number one, it's not I anymore. It's us. We're one flesh. We're together. That's important to realize as well. So 
Men are self-centered and self-serving. And I listed lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters. And I listed those there, letter A, you don't need to write them all in because you've got them there. But let me go and give it to you. Lovers of selves, covetous, number two. Number three, and coveting, can I say something? You say, oh, you're a preacher. That's never happened to you. Oh, yes, it is. I'm not a big clothes guy. I'm not a big car guy. I drive a car that's got 208,000 miles on it. Uh, but I always liked houses. I think of growing up with six kids in a house that had three bedrooms. Anybody have a family like that where you grew up in kind of cramped quarters? Uh, one and a half baths, no air conditioning in that house. But dad was a pastor. I used to dream about, really, I used to enter those Reader's Digest sweepstakes where there was like this big, back then it was like a $100,000 home, big colonial house with white pillars and stuff. Uh, I wanted to get that for my family. Right? And I used to subscribe to Architectural Digest. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that magazine, but it's just full of housing ideas. It shows beautiful houses. I'd tear out, this is an idea, this is an idea, this is an idea. Until I realized at one point in time, that here's a good, this is how they coined the corners on this here. Here's how they do the window appointments. Here's a way they do the stair rail. I dreamed about having a library with one of those sliding ladders in it. That type of place. That would be so cool. Then I realized it was covetousness. Because the Bible says, wherever you find yourself, there with be content. Now, although I had a big file, I canceled that subscription, took the whole file, and threw it away. I had to be thinking about my treasures in heaven, not my treasures here on earth. And God's given us a nice house. We're thankful for it. Um, it was a house owned by a major league baseball player. Uh, he, he sold it for $689, which in this part of Florida is probably not that much. But um, in 2007, before the crash, it crashed. Someone bought it, foreclosed on, bought it, foreclosed on. It sold on the county courthouse steps for $179. One acre lot, 3,200 square foot main house, 700 square guest, guest house, five cars and garages, big pool. Now I get all the lawns and everything were dead because um, it was foreclosed on. But God gave it to us, I believe, to use for him. And we've had, as I said last night, over 4,500 people in that house in less than six years. It'll be six years in, uh, either six or five in this coming February. We moved in in February. Man, I'm thankful God gave it to us. And I'm going to say this, man, uh, and Brother Keely didn't ask me to speak on anything. I'm going to say this. I believe it all starts with giving to God. I believe in tithing. I believe in giving more than the tithe. The Bible says tithes and offerings. And I'm going to tell you a little secret, man. You can't outgive God. I have no idea. He never, I have no idea who the biggest giver here is or the smallest giver, right? Uh, Joy told me she's a financial secretary. She says, I don't like to look at giving. I understand that because she doesn't want to be a respecter of persons. But I'm going to tell you this. The Bible says if you don't tithe, you have a leaky seed bag. And the seed is where you sow for the future. And just falling out and being trampled underfoot. I, I worked when I was in Tennessee, and Brother Keeley knows this. I, I started a business called Tennessee State uh, TS Home Improvement, TSHI. And I really did two things windows and siding. And that's big in the South because of the humidity, you have to paint more often. And it became a pretty successful business. We were doing $800,000 to a million dollars a year. I had an applicator, the guy who put it up. I, have never, I am not, I could sell, but I can't put it up. In fact, I never nailed one piece of siding up or put one window under two. I, I wouldn't know how to do it. I had someone, my business partner, uh, got the license, kept everything going and did the finances. He got 3% of the company. I owned 97% of the company. But the guy I hired was a guy named Tony. Tony was a nice guy. He was a married college student. I paid him every year $50,000 or more a year. Now, this is over 22 years ago. So let's say that's 70, 75 today. Uh, and in Knoxville, Tennessee, that's plenty to get by on. Plenty. It was a lot. Uh, my salary as vice president of the college was 35. So I'm paying him 50, right? And I mean, he had it made and he never worked a Saturday, Sunday. I always said, if he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand, he'd call off for the day, you know, but he could never get ahead. 
he's constantly moving from one house to another. When you move houses, it's expensive. You got to rent a truck. You got to buy new stuff for it, right? Finally, a Ford dealership, Dean Stallings Ford, you know where it's at, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. We had a, uh, a member there, biggest giver of our church, was general manager at that time, called me up and says, does Tony really make 50 grand a year? I said, yes, sir, he does. So I pay him at least 1000 bucks a week. And I'm sure seven years it was 70000 He goes, he's buying a new Ford Expedition. I said, he makes it. And I think he got that car taken back away from it within two or three months. Right, so that down payment was gone, the car was gone. I remember asking Greg Wilson, who was my bookkeeper for my business, who was also the chief financial officer. I said, would you check and see what his giving's like? He laughed, he said he gave $8 to the church last year. I have a friend who's in my Sunday school class who does very well, makes a quarter million dollars a year. And I've, I've been spending quite a bit of time with him. Finally, I said, is this guy even in on the church? I asked Brother Hobbs. He said, well, since 2014, he's given $800. He's a disobedient Christian, right? You've got a tithe. Starts with a tithe. It's 10%. Now, I believe that's of, you know, if you want to be, you want God to bless you on the gross or the net, you can think about that. I like tithing on all of it. That way, if I get a tax return back, it's free to spend. Amen. So, but tithe and give an offering. And that's Bible. And I'm trying to help you, right? God's been good to me. Right? But I really believe, and my kids believe this, I really believe it's because we've given to God. I am much more concerned, men, with my eternal IRA than my earthly IRA. It's going to last a lot longer. Right? If I live to be 80, Burt Reynolds, famous movie star, died at 84. He had, quote, everything this world could offer. Right? If I die at 84, I get 23 years left. But eternity goes on forever. I'm going to give an illustration. And I don't know why the Lord led me to talk about this this morning, but at our church, Brother Kitty knows this. He was there 12, 13 years total with teaching there. We have a big offering every March. Our church, get this, since 1994, has built $70 million worth of buildings. 7 0. All right. We just finished a $10 million gymnasium, Spanish auditorium, restaurant, et cetera. Well, you say, where's all that money coming from? Church people. We maybe have gotten $5 million from outside for college stuff. I think that Walter Center, which cost $10.4 million, we got $3 million from outside. Church paid seven. So every year, there's a big offering. First year, I'll never forget Pastor walking in the room, and I had never given an offering beyond my tithes of bigger than $1,000. I'm going, I thought that was killing the fatty calf. And Pastor looked at the leadership team. But Keely said, I hope you guys all plan to give at least $10,000. Gentlemen, I was making less than $50,000 a year. We, none of us had a second job. I'm going, how am I going to do that? I went home and said to my wife, I said, you're not going to believe what pastor said. You're not, I said, you're not going to believe this. <coughs> he, said, I'm, he said, I hope you all you guys give to She said, why don't we pray that we can do that? And we did. And I'll be, I'm not going to tell you what, how, how it happened, but it was an amazing thing. Largest offer we ever gave. But the next year, there's another offering. And usually I would give a check. Some year I gave stock. Uh, I had bought some silver bars for retirement. I gave them away. It was $4 an ounce. Not good. Right, it's like 14 right now. It's still not good. But from that time, it went from $4 up to 49 But I gave them. It's what I had to give. In one year, man, it seemed like I just didn't have anything to give. I just, I just, I said, I can't do much this year. I'll put 10 bucks in or whatever. I think I had $300 in my checking account. And I just didn't have it. I don't, I don't remember what had happened. I just didn't have it. My wife wasn't working at that time. And uh, I, just, I just don't have it. And the Lord seemed to say to me, hey, bud, what about your jewelry chest? If your jewelry chest is like mine, I get in it like two times a year. I have a little cufflink box my daughter gave me from Thailand, so I use that 
I order cufflinks maybe twice a month. But the rest of the stuff is just storage. And so I said, yeah, my jewelry chest. I went, I opened it up. I put it at the top of the dresser. I had a roll of silver dollars, 20 Morgan silver dollars. I just bought them to hold on to them. I had my dad's high school ring from Long Beach Poly High School back in the 1940s. I just, it was my dad's ring. I was keeping that. I had a ring that I was given by my mom in like junior high or high school. It was too small for me and too big for my son. It was just 10 karat gold. It had a black onyx thing with the letter M on it. But he has the same first name as me. I was going to give it to him someday. I had two really nice pair of cufflinks. It's interesting. I'd been in Lancaster about seven years. I'm not a bling guy, as you can tell. Um, I'd never worn them. One had a gold Kruger on each side. That's a quarter ounce gold coin. So just that alone, even in today, is with depressed gold prices, the, the gold coins are worth over 500 bucks. And then I had one other pair of cufflinks that were 14 karat gold. And then I had my high school ring. I've been wearing this ring since 1999. Pastor Chapel gave this to Dr. Getch and myself in 1999, almost 20, 20 years ago now. And I, it's West Coast. That's where I work. My heart, my funds are in that place. So I've been wearing this ring. I'm not going to wear my high school ring ever again. So I'm going to wear a wedding ring and this college ring. That's it. You know, I mean, I have this nice watch that I bought at a pawn shop for 70 bucks. You know, it's a Caraville by Bulova because I couldn't find my watch for about a week. So I went and bought one, one from a pawn shop. I'm just not into bling. I looked at all that stuff. I decided to get my high school ring. It was 14 karat gold. I even tagged it. This is 14, not 10. Pure gold is 24. Most jewelry is 10. This is 10 karat gold. This is 10 karat gold. But that was 14. My mom, my name was inscribed inside. Quite honestly, it was only worth four or 500 bucks. Gold was a little bit higher then. But I dropped that in the offering. And I even said, make sure you know this is 14, not 10. And what they do is they take it down, take it to a, you know, a pawn shop, melt it down, put it in the offering. I forgot about it for about three months. About three months later, our house got robbed. They took the whole jewelry chest. I've never seen any of that ever again. Can anyone guess what I thought? What do you think I thought? I wish I'd given more. I wish I'd given more. And I believe when it comes to the cause of Christ, I think we're going to say, I wish I'd given more. Of what? And I, get, I don't know what anyone's resources here. Of our time, our talent, our treasure. Right? Our time, our talent, our treasure. Oh, we want to leave things to our children someday, but I'm going to leave some things to the Lord. I visited Mrs. Walford the other day. She said, well, you know, uh, of our inheritance, and she has at least a half million dollar home, she said, they have other resources. She says, we're giving 10% to the college, 10% to the church. That's going to give it to your kids and stuff too. But you know what? She's investing in that which is eternal. You know, and I know some people say, don't give your kids. I disagree with that. I want to be a blessing to my kids. Uh, the very famous Chinese actor who's in the karate films, he's still around today. What's that guy's name? Jackie Chan. Jackie, 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 Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan, the current one. He was a great fighter. Jackie Chan, who's there in China, who's very, very well to do. He said, I'm leaving to my son nothing. He said, if he said, if he can't save money now, he'll just waste my money. All right. Is what he said. And again, I don't, I don't agree with him, right? Um, but that was it. I just read that last week in the USA Today. I said, wow, a little harsh, you know. Now, if my children left the faith, they're going off with a motorcycle gang and smoking meth, I'm not going to leave any money. I don't want to, that's why I don't give people on street corners. I never give money. I do care. When I travel all summer and drive 10,000 miles, I carry extra snacks people give us and bottles. I'll give them a bottle of water, a snack, and a gospel track. I don't want to be using alcohol. Or drugs, you know. But I'll, you know, I'll be kind to them. I'll give them water and a granola bar or something, you know, and a gospel track. And you say, I think a lot of people get saved from that? No, but maybe one or two do. It's worth it. 
water's pretty cheap, you know. So we always keep the case. So I give the kids all the water they can drink, you know. So you understand. So, but lovers of the covetous, watch out for the boasters. Boy, I'll tell you what. The Bible talks about men thinking more highly of themselves than they ought. The Bible says this, let another man praise thee and not thy own lips. Let another man praise thee. That's pretty awesome, wasn't it? I was speaking in Florida, in Orlando, for the Florida Associated Christian School. probably 2,000 teachers there. And the guy who was running it brought his church choir in to sing. And literally what was in his mind came out of his lips. It was one of the most embarrassing moments. He says, didn't I do a good job with that? And the choir was good. You know, you might say, let's thank the choir. But it was just, it was like a very embarrassing moment. Let's not praise ourselves. We teach our students at West Coast Baptist College, give God the glory, right? Boy, that was a good song, praise the Lord. Or how about it's great to serve the Lord? Not, yeah, it wasn't bad, was it? You know, I don't care if it's anything. Let's give God the glory. Um, blasphemers, evil speakers, disobedient parents. I'm going to say this, if you have children still in your home, and I don't, Brother Keeley doesn't, but we ought to be an example of how we treat our parents. My dad would call his dad every Sunday afternoon. Every Sunday. He was tight. That was the cheapest day to call back in the day. We'd finish Sunday lunch. He'd take the cord out through the sliding glass door to the porch and call his dad every week. Talk 10, 15, 20 minutes. He was honoring his father. Honoring his father. He taught me something. I call and write my dad every week. Now that he's very infirm and weak, I try to visit him every week. It takes, a, takes an evening, 80 <laughs> miles each way. I'll spend an hour with him and come back. But I don't want to, I don't want him to die and me have regrets. In the last five years of his life, we took him to a Rose Bowl game when USC played. Now, he didn't even feel good enough to stay for it. And Sam Darnold threw a touchdown, the new starting quarterback for the, for the uh, New York Jets, threw a touchdown the last five minutes. He missed it. He just couldn't stay anymore. He was 86, 87. He likes the Dodgers. I took him to see Hershiser pitch. I got pretty good seats at, at Hershiser, Kershaw. Really dating myself, 1988, 30 years ago. I took him to see Kershaw pitch. He had such a good time. Right? Can't he'll never do it again. So if your parents are ambulatory, do things for them while you can. Visit them while you can. I mentioned flying my wife back to see her parents. Unthankful. Sometimes we look at kids, we say they're so unthankful. What model do we give them? Are we thankful? The Bible says that everything give thanks, and then unholy. Can I say, say this? I know Brother Keeley. If I were anywhere near his church, I'd go to his church. I respect him as a man. You say, you think he's perfect? I've known him for a long time, 20 plus years, right? But can I tell you this? I believe in him. He knows I'm the one who wanted to hire him at the college. You know, he knows that. Um, I respect the pastor. This guy would be great. And he was great. It was a sad day when he left, but I want him to do God's will. Um, when you think about that, you hear good preaching. He knows the Word of God. I think you know that. Do you ever let the Word of God speak to your heart? Let me ask you a tough question. None of this was mentioned by the two of us. When was the last time someone saw you go to the altar and pray? Do you know, you know what a testimony that might be to someone else in the church? Wow. Wow. I don't know what job any of you have <laughs> besides you, Kitty. You know, now I've kind of hit it off with Greg. He kind of reminds me of my personality a little bit, kind of, you know, just a little bit off. And uh, I, 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 I found out last I found out last night he's a nurse. Right, yeah. He's way off. Okay. 
I found out, he, I found out he's a nurse last night, but I, I don't know what the rest of you guys do. But you know what? People, you're the best Christian somebody else knows. I don't know who it is. Probably somebody at work. All right. And I'm going to say one other thing about this. Again, this is dealing with the church. Would you like to know the very best prospects that your church will ever have? People that you invite to come to church. The pastor will follow up on them. Kenny and Chris will follow up on them. But they'll come because of you. They know you. They feel safe with you. They don't know this guy. If they got to know him, they'd like him. Right? They'll like him if they hear him preach and after he goes and visits them. And you say, how do I get him to come? Take him out to, for a meal. I'm just talking Panera Bread. Pick two is like $7.99. We went through the other night. It was great. It was plenty. Had a bowl of soup and half a salad. Great. So it doesn't cost a lot of money. It's not what you have. It's that you have them. And here's the thing. Would you like to know who we buy meals for? People we really care about. They're going to take us to lunch. Wow. You must really care about us. Yeah, why don't you come here my pastor? Meet his wife. She's a really nice lady. Should be kind to your wife. It's a great place for kids to grow up. It's a family atmosphere. Good theme song, you know. Um, so think about that. When, when two people from society get married, they bring these attitudes and actions into a marriage relationship. The Bible says this, and I have the verse written down here, but uh, their throat is an open sepulcher, their tongue is as they that have used a seed, etc. Let me just say a couple different things here. Any marriage of this age is basically the union of two self-centered people. My wife is much less self-centered than I am. She's not a shopper. She really likes to give to other people, which is a blessing. Uh, she's very similar to my mom. My mom would give so much stuff away. My dad finally said no. My mom said, well, if I tutor, my mom was a principal of a Christian school. She said, if I tutor, could I give the money to give away? My dad said, sure. So she worked beyond her 40 hours as a principal and tutor people so she could do nice things for people. When my wife and I started dating, we decided to put, this is a long time ago, 38 years ago, we decided to put it five bucks a, a week a piece. And we were making very little money at that time, maybe seven or eight thousand a year. To come up with ten dollars a week and do something for somebody for ten bucks. That's a good thing to do with the family. It might be a five dollar gift card. I buy I buy gift cards from Starbucks all the time. I'm like Brother Keely, I'm not a coffee drinker. But I give away Starbucks gift cards. Um, if you want to do something a little more, you go to Costco, you can get like fifteen dollar gift cards sometimes for ten or eleven bucks or twelve bucks. Right. You, get, you get four or five at a time. It's a better, val better value. Um, but I'll do that. I keep stacking my, God puts in my heart. I want to be a blessing to somebody. I give them away every week in my life, just about. Not when I'm traveling in the summer, but during the school year. So I just keep a stack of them there. Right. I'm going to stop today. I found out about something about something near church. I want to give a gift card tomorrow. And he said, you used to have lots of money. Uh, I said, let's go buy a dollar store to buy the card. <laughs> 50 cents a piece. I'll save three and a half bucks right there. You know. Um, but when you think this doesn't apply to you, you're filled with pride. Proverbs 13, verse 10 says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. If you ever have arguments, guys, it's all because of pride. Period. Case closed in the story. Because the Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. There's other verses too. Where there's no wood, the fire goeth out. Don't answer. There's a few times, very frequently, I just don't answer my wife. Or I'll say, I'm not going to go there. Let's not start an argument. I'm not going to do that. All right. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That's a powerful verse. 
Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So if we think it doesn't apply, you're, you're filled with pride. Secondly, your heart is wicked. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I know my heart's not good. I have an old nature and a new nature. Let me give you a little tip on this, by the way, as well. When you have an old nature and a new nature, uh, they're constantly battling against each other. Old nature wants you to do wrong. New nature wants you to do right. Can I tell you which one's going to win? The one you feed the most. You're absolutely right. Um, would you like to know the first thing I read this morning? It's my Bible. First thing. Now, later I checked text. I checked emails. Looked at the USA Today phone app. First thing. First thing. Number three. You think you're right when you are not. Has that ever happened to you before? You were sure you were right. You knew you were right. Later on, you were wrong. By the way, say right then, I'm wrong. I was saying something to Greg this morning. As I said, we're like brothers from another mother. And uh, my wife turns me, she says, I think it's Craig. I was sure it was Greg. It's Craig. And uh, it's a Craig? Greg. That's what I thought. So I was calling him Greg. My wife thought it was Craig. So I turned to the lady next to me. And I said, is it Greg or Craig? She said, it's Greg. Looked at my wife. I didn't go. <laughs> you know, she said, oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. She's wanted me to get it right. Right? Well, I wanted to get it right. If I talked to him later on, I would have called him by the right name. Right? Like my last name is Rasmussen. People, students call me Dr. R. They can pronounce a lot of different ways. You can pronounce it any way you want. Just don't call me Rasputin. Okay, he was a bad guy. All right, moving on from that. So, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. It better not just be our way, it better be God's way. So, you think you're right when you're not. You think you're always right. Ooh. Have you ever known a boss who always thought he was right? Pastor Chapel's right probably 99% of the time. But you know what he told me? He said, I made a mistake on that. We tried to move our midweek service to Thursday. We thought that was a great idea. It, it was a total fail. Our attendance dropped off. But we switched back the next year. That was, we tried. And by the way, it's good to try certain things, but if it doesn't work, admit it. All right. So you always seek your right. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Then number five, you live in a flesh that is wicked. So we know these things are true. Romans 3.10, as is written, there's none righteous known at one. Romans 7.18, for I know that in me that is my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Guys, we're just a sinner saved by grace. In and of myself there dwells no good thing. James 1, every good and perfect gift cometh from above. For the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Any good in me is because of Jesus. And I try to be very, very, very careful, very careful about judging other people. Matthew 5, judge not lest you be judged. You know why? But for the grace of God. Yeah. Being in ministry now, my 40th year, every year I hear about one person or two people fall. And, and by the way, don't ever say, that's why it goes to all those pastors. Oh no, I know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds have been faithful for decades and decades and decades. It's an exception. Right? I'm talking about what's a moral failure, uh, financial failure, whatever. But I'm not going to judge him. I'm going to try to pray for him. There's a guy I text every week. He's a former student of mine. He was a pastor in North Carolina. And he had a fling with his secretary. He's not in the ministry anymore. He lost his marriage. Some of his kids hate him. By the way, consider the end of the thing. All right. He's, I said, did you not think of it? He goes, well, I thought I might lose my church, but I didn't think I'd lose my marriage. What were you thinking? You know what he's doing today? He's working in a coal mine. He was living in his sister's basement. Right? Consider the end of a thing. And I, I'll tell you again, the worst thing you can do for yourself 
financially is have a divorce. The worst thing you can do. Enough said. Um, number two, what is the solution of the problem? What is the solution? Okay, we know there's a problem. I know I have problems. All right? If I think otherwise, it's pride. It's pride. And by the way, be willing to accept some comments from your wife, as long as it's said in the right spirit. Because outside the Lord, she should be the person who loves you the most in the world. I know Joy wants to help Dayton. I, I mean, I know that. It's her husband. By the way, when your wife helps you, it's good for her. We could pretty much figure that out. Right? No duh. Right? So listen. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. Bible precept again. Wise will hear. And how often ask my wife, what do you think about this? And sometimes I'll do it, sometimes I won't. And I'll say, you know, I'm not going to do that, and here's the reason why. I don't want to think I'm just taking her ideas and throwing them out out of hand. Right? But she might see it from a different viewpoint. Have you ever noticed that from a different viewpoint, we interpret things differently? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Police would know that with an accident. People see things very differently from different vantage points. Well, I've learned to listen to some of my wife's warnings. Watch out for her. There's a problem there. Oh, no, she's fine. Later, whoa, how'd you know that? People with wisdom have more insight. All right. Uh, she walks with God. She reads her Bible. She's faithful. Uh, let me say this, too. How do you still have children in your home? Did you raise your hand? You have children in your home? Okay, over half of you. What kind of example are you to your children with your Bible reading? I went to a funeral recently in Simi Valley for a man who my dad had led to the Lord. His son is a deacon in our church. His name is Ken Elliott. As Mrs. Elliott's taught kindergarten for the whole history of our school, 25 years or whatever. And Ken Elliott and I, one summer, uh, Bob Elliott, that is the dad, one summer, Bob Elliott and I had co-taught a Sunday school class. I was home for the summer. I think it was junior high boys. And I remember we went to Chatsworth Park and had a picnic, and I tried to have I was a little younger than he was. His son got up at his funeral and said this, I never remember a day when I came to the kitchen for breakfast, when I did not see my dad sitting there reading his Bible with his cup of coffee. Well, I preached this summer for Brandon Campbell and Christine, who is his daughter and son-in-law. And I talked to him that story. And Christine said to me, you know, Dr. R, I don't remember a morning when I got up and didn't see my dad, who was a policeman, busy schedule, reading his Bible with his cup of coffee. What an example. I wouldn't say this in front of my wife, and I wouldn't want to embarrass any ladies in here, but I asked my wife one time, I said, I don't think I've ever seen you miss having your devotions. I said, what was the last time you missed your devotions? She goes, I know exactly when it was. She was 12. She's 63. She hasn't missed one day in 51 years. And her children rise up and call her blessed. You say, she's perfect. No, she's made mistakes. There's chapters she'd like to excise. All right. But she's been faithful in that. Her prayer life. I mean, she's got about 300 missionary cards. She goes through them every Sunday morning, one by one. Takes a long time. She goes through all of them. Remember, men, it starts with us. Maybe it's going to be getting that devotional, read one page a day with your wife. Or read one chapter from Proverbs. Right? Or start reading through one chapter from the New Testament. Uh, my wife and I, the year before we got married, read through the entire New Testament together. We didn't do it every day. One day a week, we'd read five chapters. Till we got through it. I'd read a chapter, she'd read a chapter. I don't think you need to read five chapters a day. I think you need to have your own devotions. But you need to have your own devotions. 
she's to have her devotions, but it's good to do something together. Maybe read, like I said, one chapter for the devotional. You read about these revivals, it'll inspire you to do more for God. I promise you. It will inspire you to do more for God. And just say, you know what, sweetheart? We're going to read one page a night, and then we're going to pray together. You know what that's doing? You're being a spiritual leader. You're being a spiritual leader. You say, you're worried about selling the books? Oh, no. I've got two church services, one Sunday morning and one Sunday night. And I don't own them anyway. I was taking back and getting back to school. But I'm trying to help people. Right? So, enough said about that. Next. So the solution is the elimination of sin. Now, we can't do that. So how do we have a solution if we can't eliminate sin? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says this. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Letter A. The Holy Spirit will do through you what you could never do on your own. That's so important to understand. The Holy Spirit will do through you what you can't do on your own. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do it through Christ. You know, the world says, whatever the mind of man conceived, the mind of man can achieve. No, they can't. I can, I've had dreams where I was flying. I can't do that. You're pretty cool. Rocket man, right? No, it's not going to happen. Uh, no, the reality of it is we can do all things as far as in our Christian life through Jesus Christ. Secondly, let it be, daily pray for mercy and grace. Daily pray for mercy and grace to be what God wants you to be. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. What a great verse. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Why do I not watch certain things? Christ lives in me. Why do not, when I was a 21, 22-year-old faculty member, I worked at a restaurant, worked there for seven years. I started there three years as a student. I got I got my first paycheck for the college. I said, I got to keep working a second job. I'll never forget it. I looked at them and I said, I, I said to the guy, I said, I didn't know we got paid weekly. He goes, we don't. It was $256 for two weeks. I was making back then about nine bucks an hour as a cook. So I was making 450 a week, whatever. So I kept that restaurant job on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I didn't work Sundays, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Well, I needed that extra money. And I used that money to help save up to buy our first house, down payment on a house, and that type of thing. But I'm going to tell you right now, I realized I couldn't do it on my own. I needed God's help. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live with the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Number three, the responsibility of the husband. And I must hasten, we've got five minutes left. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. Charity envieth not. Charity bonds not itself. Charity is not puffed up. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. By the way, Christ didn't criticize. They're crucifying. They're pulling his beard out of his face. The Bible says he opened out his mouth. They reviled him. He reviled not again. They smote him, he turned the other cheek. Wow. That's dying to self. Not you said, you said, it's your mother. You know, not good. So, love your wife like Christ loved the church, let her be. He gave himself, he was generous. He was generous. Let her see, he sanctifies us. Can someone raise your hand and tell me what the word sanctify means? Anybody know? What's that? Make holy, set apart. Uh, you know the good china in your house? My wife has some big glasses that she uses only when company come. I love those glasses because they fit my cup holder and they're big. <coughs> if I take those out the door, I get in trouble. I finally have switched to Dickie's big yellow cups because they work perfectly as well. All right? I like clear glass glasses because I like to see if it's clean. I grew up in a family of seven kids and my brother sometimes would be stuff inside the glass that shouldn't be there. But you know what? Those are sanctified. They're set aside for company. I think you understand that.
in our family with seven kids, when we moved to a bigger house when I was about ninth grade, the living room was off limits. It was always looking good, always nicely vacuumed, lines in the carpet in case company came over. Rarely did, but it was nice. So we weren't allowed to go in there. It was sanctified. The Bible says he sanctifies us. That means he treats us special. Does your wife feel like she's special? Does she feel like she's number one? Chris, Abby ought to know that she's the one and only in your life. How would you feel if you came home from a trip and your wife said to you, you know what, in our church, you're one of my five favorite men. You got a problem, right? Well, you know what, she should never feel that way. Why do you talk to her so much? I'm going to tell you one little counsel for you. Don't be in contact with old girlfriends on Facebook. I mean, that's in the old days, it was credit cards that ruined marriages. Number one, bad credit ruined marriages. Number, now, it's pornography and Facebook. And I know. I mean, the guy who fixed my car, you would have known him because you were there. His name was Mike. I'm not going to say his last name. Faithful man in our church, married with four kids. One day I keep seeing his wife. He's not there. I said, where's your husband? Oh, he left me for his high school girlfriend. They connected on Facebook. Left his wife and four kids. Going to one of the greatest churches in America. So don't put yourself in a place of temptation. Guard for you. So he sanctifies us. He cleanses us. He cleanses us. He bore our sins in his own body. He took the blame. Hey, if something goes wrong, man, let's, let's man up and take the blame. See, my wife did it. If she makes a mistake with driving, I'm going to do some funny things about women drivers, but if she makes a mistake, no problem. We all make mistakes. How much better would she feel if we say that? Instead of saying, what's wrong with you? Weren't you looking? And don't ever do this. If she gets in an accident, don't ask how the car is. Ask how she is. <laughs> but just say, oh, it's a car. What about me? Not good. So uh, he bore sins. He took our blame. He will serve us when we get home. He adores and desires us. And I must hasten. Men need admiration. Women need adoration. If you want to read a great book on marriage, let me recommend a book called Love and Respect. It's by Eggerich. Love and Respect. It's a great book. Women need love. Men need respect. How to adore your wife. Letter A. Take care of her better than you take care of yourself. Take care of her better than you take care of yourself. Spoiler. I don't need flowers, but I think she still likes getting them. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I get them at Walmart. That's affordable. Sometimes you can buy them for five bucks. You can always get them for $7.99. Right? Is it worth doing that once a month? I buy my cards at the dollar store. I kid you not. I buy big packs of them. Sympathy cards, get well cards, thinky view cards. All right. Always head there. Somebody, somebody comes to mind. I just reached there. I got in my lower right hand drawer. Boom. Okay. Postcards and stamps in my left hand drawer. All right. Uh, why? Because I want to obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. What if he just said, I'm going to write my wife a note once a week for the next year? How many think your marriage might be better? All right. Just saying. If you love your wife, you'll be loving yourself. You become one flesh in marriage. For this cause shall man leave father and mother, shall cleave to his wife. They twain shall be one flesh. Number two, if you hurt one part of your body, you hurt the whole body. She's part of her right. We're one body now. Years ago, uh, there's a place in near Beaumont, California, up about 20 minutes off the road, that makes the best apple cider I've ever heard. My dad used to buy for $2.50 a gallon. It's now $16.50 a gallon. 
That's expensive cider. But I'm telling you, when you take a drink, it's like biting into a crisp apple. It's delicious. And when I go near there, coming from the desert or whatever, I'll usually stop by and buy seven or eight gallons. I'll give them my brothers, my dad. Pastor Chapel likes it. and uh, People have helped me. I'll, I'll get them a gallon. It's just really good stuff. Well, I was in either, I think it was in Indiana at the time. I decided to try to take a couple, box, a couple uh, gallons back with me. And I was in a house for five years with no air conditioning. By the way, when you think about your griping and complaining, I lived in a house for five years with air conditioning. My wife had two children there. She never complained one time about air conditioning. No swamp cover. We lived under fans because the new compressor was sixteen hundred bucks. That was to me it was like sixteen thousand today. Never complained one time. When it was really really hot and humid, we'd take the mattress out of the fold away couch and put it on the floor. It was a tri level because that was the coolest part of the house. Is put fans blowing on us. Right? Never complained. Well, I brought these four gallons back with me to Indiana. Carried them on the airplane. Got them. Put them in the refrigerator. I remember one night it was so hot and humid. I got up and. You know, we never admit this to our wives, but I went to the refrigerator, I took that thing out, screwed the lid off, and I did not get out a cup. I just took that bottle, no backwash, of course. Just took a couple swigs out of that. Oh, it was so good. But then, as I went to put it, that immediately, that hot air condensed in the outside of that one-gallon glass jug full of cider. As I went to put it back, it had slipped through my hands and fell like a Patriot missile right on my big toenail. Oh, my soul. Now, guys, it was only about that much of my square surface area in my body, but it really affected me. I remember taking a hot needle and drilling through that nail because it just all this blood was packed up. It would hurt to try to relieve the pressure. I couldn't wear normal shoes. I remember wearing tennis shoes to teach it because it was so tender, so swollen. And it was only that much of our body. So sometimes we see it was just a little thing I did to her. It affects the whole body. Dropping that on my toe. Oh, I wish I'd missed my toe and hit the floor and broken the bottle, right? Because, man, it bothered me for weeks, for weeks. So be aware, be aware of that, that we have to take care of her and, and watch out for her. So if you hurt one part of the body, you hurt the whole If you don't treat your wife right, you will suffer the consequences. What are the consequences? Anger. Are these listed there by any chance? No. Uh, let me just give you a few consequences, part of the margin. Lack of admiration. Maybe it should be overly wrapped up in children or grandchildren, Flee to the in-laws too often. Withhold intimacy. Maybe become a spendthrift. I'll go over this one more time. And then, worst of all, she might communicate with someone who does adore her. Right. Oh, they stop talking. Oh, this guy always talked to me. He cares about what I think. Right. He's a wicked, vile sinner going after somebody else's wife. But be careful with that. So consequences, anger, lack of admiration, wrapped up in children, fleeing to in-laws. Withholding intimacy, becoming a spendthrift, um, and then maybe communicate with someone who does it or her. Let her see, nourish and cherish her as you do yourself. I've talked about this already. How we go to great desire to fulfill things we want in our life. When she has a desire, number two, go to any length to meet the desire. What does she like? You say, oh, brother, she wants a back rub or a shoulder rub. You're one flesh. My wife, when she's on her feet a long time, she wants a foot rub. I never asked for a foot rub. I'm fine. But she likes that. I'm going to go to Link to do that for her. The extra cards. It's your job to find out what she really wants. Get her clothes you think she'll look good in. Focus on what is attractive and good, not what is not attractive and good. Hey, we all age. I don't look like I did when I got married when I was 24 years of age. Right? Be careful. 
be careful. Uh, we got to be very careful. So, conclusion: It's responsibility of the man to love his wife the way Christ loved the church. If he does this, his wife will respond with respect and admiration. If he doesn't do this, he'll have some negative consequences. And most importantly, I think if we don't do it, it's very hard for her to submit to our leadership. It's easy for me to submit to people who love me and treat me well. Pastor Chappell's a man I've worked for for the last 22 years. Uh, by far, he's been the best boss I ever had. Not even close. Not even, not even close. He's very kind to me. He's generous with me. I've written the verse about Solomon's men. Happy are these thy men. That's how I feel. You say, is it always easy? Oh, no. <laughs> he's a type A driven person. He's been very good to me. It's easy for me to want to serve him. I think if you're very, very good to your spouse, do the extra things for her, it'll be easy for her to submit to you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you'll help me to live the things we've taught today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying on Calvary. I pray you help us to be the husband you saved us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.